What's the most important resource that you have? If you really thought about this deeply, I think you'd come to the same conclusion that Joey and I did. It's time. In our newest book, Wealth Without Wall Street, The Three Steps to Financial Freedom Through Passive Income, we talk about how are we tracking that time? Well, what is the thing that we can do to get more of that time back? That's right. If you've ever been listening to our podcast and thought, man, it would be amazing if I could take all the things that you guys have learned over the last 10 years and just summarize them, put them in some way to easily digest them and take action, that's what this book is all about. You're not going to want to miss it. Go to wealthwithoutwallstreet.com forward slash new book and get your copy today. The easiest way, Joey, to know that you're working with someone in the financial space that is a good fit would be if when you're talking to them about the goals that you have, that those goals are the goals that they have and that they are actively able to show you the things or tell you the things that they're doing that could give you inspiration. Agree or disagree? Totally. I mean, think of it like a mentorship. Like, would you ever have a mentor that you sought out that hadn't done or been where you want to be? No. Right. It's it just doesn't make sense. And here's the beauty about this is that I think there's we have seasons of life where we change. Right. And when when you're changing and your your goals are changing and maybe your ambitions have changed and the way that you see the world has changed maybe it's time to change the people that you're listening to, right? So if you have somebody that you've worked with for 10 years and they're an amazing person, right? They're like, awesome. Like you guys are, are, are friends. You go supper club to each other. You, your kids grew up together. You, they play soccer together. You vacation together. But yet they're maybe a typical financial advisor where it's put your money in a 401k, IRA, mutual funds. Let's accumulate for 45 years. And then we'll both retire together when we're hunters. It doesn't mean they're a bad person, but maybe if your objective has changed and they cannot change with you, maybe it's time for you to look for a coach who could help you find ways to create passive income. That doesn't mean you have to wait until age 65 for that to happen. Today's podcast is where we get to show off, if you will, our coaches, the, 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 the crew that, that we look to, that we always say each week are the dream team of financial coaches, and they get to share with you what they're personally doing. So you can see what that looks like, and you can also determine if those are ideas that maybe you need to be implementing. Absolutely. They build in their own accountability in this episode so that they know that you're listening. They know that they have to be held to the standard of moving forward so they can lead from the front. Russ, let's not take any more away from this awesome episode. Let's step up to the table and belly up. Welcome to the Wealth Without Wall Street podcast, your guide to understanding how to get out of the Wall Street rat race and start your own mailbox money lifestyle. Now, don't let these handsome Southern draws fool you. These financial minds are teaching our country to enhance savings, increase cash flow, and create passive income, all without the help of Wall Street. Are you ready to break through? Now here are your hosts, Russ Morgan and Joey Murray. Welcome into the Financial Freedom Roundtable, where each week we break down complex financial topics so that you can more easily understand them and more importantly, take action 
on your path to becoming financially free. If this is your first time joining us. Welcome. Grateful to have you in the room. I'm Russ Morgan. They call me the idea guy, mostly because lack of father guy just didn't sound so cool to me. But enough about me for a moment. Let me introduce you to my partner, my co-host. He's the Italian stallion. He's got the license plate cover to prove it, Mr. Joe Murray. Stallion, good afternoon. Good afternoon, Russ. Uh, it's, a, it's a beautiful day. It's a beautiful day to ask coaches, how are they making progress in their own financial freedom journey? Because by the way, who do you want to take advice from? Who do you want to have leading the path to your financial freedom? Is it somebody that is not actively pursuing the same thing? I don't want to take advice like that. So I love, I love this time. Well, we, we, we have a phrase around our, our world here, around our neighborhood, if you will, since you kind of gave us that Mr. Rogers reference at the beginning there, that financial advice is garbage and it should be treated as such. So I don't expect you to take advice from these coaches. I expect you to listen, observe, find if their scenario fits close to yours and use that to go deeper into helping yourself become financially free, right? Because we can't do it for you, but we can show you how. And that's what these coaches are great at because that's that's what a coach is for, right, Joey? A coach is someone who helps you get more out of yourself than you thought was possible. We were had the pleasure of spending some time with our one of our mentors. He's got a, an amazing podcast, The Business School, Sharon Shravatsa. And one of his latest podcasts, he talked about how even him, someone who had exited some major companies, had sold five different companies to public entities over the last 20 years, and had created and accumulated a lot of wealth, even he thought the path to financial freedom was accumulating wealth and had not learned the ways to create passive income until he was exposed to some of the ideas that us and these coaches are going to be sharing today. So I I hope that you'll understand that these coaches are not only great at helping you understand how to do things, but it's because, like you said, Joey, they're doing it themselves. So let me introduce you to them. To my left, I got the financial Sherlock Holmes of our day. No problem. Too difficult to solve. If I'd only known him earlier, I'd be so much richer. Said everybody. Mr. Downtown Ernie Brown. Nice to see Ern. Nice to be seen, Russ. Happy New Year. You've been up to a lot over the last quarter. I'm excited to hear about it. Is it is there some some things in in today's conversation that you're going to share that maybe I hadn't heard before? Or have you told me about these things? I don't know. I don't know if I told you about these things, but I do have something I'm very excited about. And I do have something that I'm either really excited about or really, really not excited about. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, could uh, could if you could just be more vague? uh, I'm sure people are just really concerned. You're you're so specific. It's a long program, Joey. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, good. Well, we'll move over. We. Hey, we got the king of Beham, man, Mr. Real Estate himself. He's agnostic to his type, as long as it produces cash flow. The multi-talented Jamie O'Brien. Good to see you, Jamie. Happy to be here, Russ. Just enjoying another day in paradise, my friend. You, you, you do some real estate deals in the last quarter you're going to talk about a little bit today? Man, I'm going to give you two guesses on if my passive income strategy has anything to do with real estate, and the first one doesn't count. So. <laughs> okay. All right. 
I'm going to come back to that. I mean, I have to leave the doctor for last, right? I mean, here comes the intellect, the DFM, the doctor of financial medicine. He's got a precision like approach to cash flow. He can diagnose your problems just by looking at your financial statement. Mr. Automated Budget himself, Eric Hudson. Great to have you on, Eric. And happy new year. So great to be here. Love it. All right, Eric, let's start off with you, man. Yeah. We, this is your first time, I think, with us going through this quarterly update, is it not? It is, yeah, for sure. So you get a chance to kind of talk a, a little bit about things that you've accomplished, even not necessarily just in the last quarter, right? So for those who have not had a chance to talk with you, pick your brain, how have you been pursuing financial freedom yourself? Yeah, thanks for asking, Rust, and thanks for being a part of my journey. Um, my my pursuit of financial freedom really picked up once I got fully um, on board with IBC and allowed uh, one dollar to do multiple things. And um, so I've done a number of syndications. I've on my I'm on my third ATM. I use it as a tax strategy. I've done some private lending and um some self-storage you know you name it i'm you say that uh jamie's agnostic to passive income i i clearly am i diversify pretty heavily in that area so i'm probably about if i'm honest about 50 to 60 percent of where i want to be and in the last year you know i i I probably came from 20 percent up to that 50 to 60 percent uh number wow all right, so I need to I need to ask you. That's a big jump in one jump. year. What what would you say was the specific um, action that you took in 2022 that led you to that big of a, an adjustment? Yeah, good question, Joey. So I came into some cash uh, from a, a house sale, and i I started a new policy, an annual pay policy. And so I immediately utilized that cash from the IBC. Also, I had significant um, amount of equity in a home and uh, he locked the crap out of that thing and just supercharged um, my passive income. Hey, can we can we pull this back? I know, guys, we're going to get to you, Jamie, or coming to you in just a second. But this is just too interesting not to to dig into a little bit. Have you always had that thought process, Eric? Have you always thought, oh, my goal is to put as little into my house as possible and use the equity to do all of these things that you're doing? No, the exact opposite. My my first 20 years, maybe 25 years of my adult life has been either get a 15-year mortgage or when I got really sophisticated a few years ago, I got a 30-year mortgage and paid it like a 15. And then I thought I was really crushing uh, because now I have options. And so it has only been in the last year that I uh, tapped the equity of my home to use those dollars for passive income. Yeah. What is it that gave you the confidence to do that? Because I, I would say, again, don't take Eric's advice, right? Don't don't uh, hear what he's saying as advice, but listen to this answer. What gave you the confidence, Eric, to know that that was the best decision for you? One of the things uh, I actually learned, I think, from you, Russ, 
and I don't remember it, if it was our podcast or just us talking, was talking about if a bank was going to foreclose on a property, what property would they want to foreclose on? Would they want to foreclose on one that had almost no equity in it or one that had a ton of equity in it? <laughs> and that answer is pretty simple. Their best bet is to foreclose on somebody that's got a house that's about 60 to 70% paid for, right? right? There's almost no risk in that one. And so that was a real catalyst for me. And then I kept hearing you guys calling those equity dollars dead. And that dead term just kept running around in my head that I've got dead dollars that I could be using that are actually doing absolutely nothing for me. And I think those two things were just really a big part of my, um, I don't know if it's a conversion experience or what you would call it, but it really got me to thinking differently, which is really what is the most important thing. You can't act differently until you think differently. You can't think differently until you expose yourself to different ideas. All right. I love that. All right. I'm, I'm coming back to you. I'm not putting you on that's, ice, but just press and pause for a second. That's just poetry. Can you, can we just give him a hand there? Like that was just straight up poetry. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's going on Instagram. That's getting on the Thank gram. you, Joey. <laughs> All right, coming over to you, Jamie. You 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 mentioned that that your your strategy may or may not include real estate to become financially free. Tell me tell me about that. Tell me about some of these things that you've been working on. Yeah, so I I, I dabble in active and passive uh, investing in in real estate, so fix and flips as well as long term buy and holds or short term rentals and stuff like that. And um, you know, this year. The two combined, and I actually had a fix and flip turn into a short-term rental because of what happened in the market. Um, it was somewhat by accident, but it's been uh, probably one of the greatest blessings in disguise I could ask for up until this point. Now we're new. I just finished up the books on it uh, for the last quarter of the year and added an average of $800 a month in my passive income stream on one property that I was going to sell and make about $25,000 on. So I mean, do some quick math there. And... I'm going to make that money in a couple of years. So give, give me an, just for those who maybe not even step foot into the real estate game, sure. house, this specific home, let's just pretend you would and put it on the long-term rental market after paying everything. What would it have net net where you said the short-term deal is 800 a month. What would it have net net on a long-term? Oh, I would have been lucky to break even. Wow. Oh, wow. Pretty close. Yeah. I mean, maybe a hundred dollars a month net net. Um, and if we're getting all into the crazy equation of putting aside reserves and everything else, um, I'll just tell you, I mean, the mortgage on it is uh, right about $900. You add in insurance and uh, everything else. And long-term rent in that area is probably $1,000, $1,100 for that house. Ooh, wow. What, yeah. what are some of the biggest lessons that you've learned since going into the short-term rental world? Because it was at your first property that you done the short-term rental stuff on? That was the first property. Um, biggest lessons are, uh, you know, tenant proof. I, I kind of had already done a tenant proof rehab on it just based on really the price point. And I love LB, LVP. I just, I think it's a great material. So that, I do that in my flips anyways. And, and that just helps with tenant proofing houses, but really making the functionality of a house uh, important as well as it doesn't have to be anything crazy. I mean, this house isn't anything special. I don't mean to, to downplay it at all, but it's nicer than a lot of stuff around it. 
And that I think really has been driving it and just trying to portray a, uh, a comfortable place for people to come for the weekend or a week. I've had one stay up to three weeks um, that feels like home, you know, and really just try and make it as comfortable as possible uh, with the amenities you would want if you were going somewhere, if you're going to your house. And, um, you know, aside from that, on just the guest side of it is just be, uh, be really good about communication. Um, and if something goes wrong, take care of it, take care of the guest. And, right. and that's, it's been that simple. And luckily with Laka Wood, we just got our super host status and cruising into Q1 of 2023 with that. So, Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Okay. So let me, up to this point, you mentioned, uh, real estate being some active, like fix and flips and then long-term buy and hold as your strategy to get to financial freedom, having this kind of unexpected switch over to short-term rental, does that change anything going forward for you? Or is it kind of like, yeah, I'm going to still stay the course on this other one? Well, so my idea was always to do the active side, to build extra capital for the passive side. That, that's always been the strategy. Um, the difference was that I had a, a W-2 full-time job and uh, went full-time in real estate this year. So there's a little bit of that active income that's going to have to you know feed the family and everything else. However, you know, the short-term rental, in my opinion, is still a long-term home. You know, it's still a property that I own, um, that I'm making cash flow off of, that I could choose to sell at some point in the future, you know, if I wanted to. So I think I'll always stay in the active income side of real estate because for me, it's just fun. Um, but I'm definitely focusing more over the last year or two on trying to put dollars to work in more passive income streams, um, such as short-term rentals or uh, started getting into some small apartment complexes with partners, you know, scalability, if you will. I think you guys talk about that a lot is how do you make those dollars go further faster? I want to come back to you in a second and kind of yep. dig a little bit into what you're, because you have so much depth in the real estate space. I would love to hear kind of what your personal outlook is on 2023 and in that space. So I'm gonna come back to you. Remind me if I forget, but earn. He will forget. By the way, Jim, just Perfect. I'll bring you Hold back. I'll bring you back in. Hold on one second. Hey Siri, please remind me to ask Jamie um, about the real estate market in 2023 in about five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> that is my strategy. For those who need a hack, if you forget things, set set alarms on your phone with Siri. It's amazing. That's so crazy because you have an Android, Russ. <laughs> <laughs> so, so good. Kidding, kidding. <laughs> All right. Speaking of the, not the blue, uh, blue text, but the green text, let's get over to Ern here. Ern, tell me, tell me a little bit about what, what happened in the fourth quarter for you as relates to passive income. Sure. Well, do you want, do you want the good or the potential bad first? Man, let's get the bad. I like the bad. Bad's okay. fun to me. Well, it's potential. Okay. And I actually don't think it's going to be bad, but if it's bad, it's bad. Okay. I got a call from my property management company. No, I actually got an email, to be honest. And they said, hey, we need to get on a call. That's not a good sign. And they told me that one of the tenants in my triplex was complaining that there was some water coming into their unit. And I thought, uh-oh. So what does that mean? And they had already sent out a crew to look at that. And they sent me some pictures and said, we need to do a foundation repair. And here's the quote. It's going to be $10,000. Mm. Oh, I'm like, 
Oh, I cannot not wait to tell Caroline about this. <laughs> this is there goes 2020, 21, 22's rental income. <laughs> that would have been that would have been all of 22 and and for that. And so like, gosh. So I asked, well, have we gotten any other quotes? Are we sure? I sent a message to a friend who had worked in in waterproofing um, and asked, hey, is this reasonable? He said, yeah, this is how I would do it. So I asked them, uh, the property management company, hey, could you could you work on a quote of of what it's going to cost to fix the flooring and fix the drywall? Because that wasn't included in that quote. And they said, yeah, we'll work on that. And three weeks later, I followed up and it turns out they had sent somebody else out there um, to look at it. And they determined that, no, we don't need to do this repair at all. This was a really heavy rain event and we just don't think that it needs to be repaired. And so I thought, great. And on top of that, we found out that their, the previous owner had done a repair a foundation repair. And so they're working to see if if they can figure out what company did that work and see if if there's a warranty on the work to come and and fix it for sure. So it seems like I dodged a bullet. We'll see. Stay tuned. Man, um you would think that your tenants would love having water in the house. Like running water is a a modern <laughs> deal that I honestly couldn't live without. So well, I mean think of it this way I know that they're probably just looking for an opportunity to mop the floor. <laughs> and so, I mean, just what, a little bit of water floor, they're halfway there. It's a exactly. water feature, man. I mean, if you, if you freeze that stuff, it becomes an ice rink in there. Like think of the opportunities. <laughs> like you get, like you can have your tenants making money inside the unit by just bringing out the neighborhood kids. Hey, you don't have to drive all the way across town to that ice rink. That's right. We got uh. it right here. If you've listened to our show for any length of time, you've heard us talk about infinite banking and how we were able to use that concept to create over $50,000 a month in passive income. But it's just not that easy to figure out how does this all connect into my own personal system? Stallion, that's why we created the passive income operating system, bro. It shows you how to turn active income into passive income. It makes all the steps come together. If you would like to get access to it as a podcast listener, we've never given this away in public before. Go to whatswhatwallstreet.com forward slash P-I-O-S. There was nothing worse than walking into class when you're in school and the teacher saying, pop quiz day. Why? Because you were unprepared. Are you unprepared though for financial freedom? Don't be. Find out how close you are by taking our 30-second quiz at wealthwithoutwallstreet.com forward slash quiz. So so obviously that's that's news, right? Not good or bad at this point. It, it looks like it may be really good. What um, what else is something you've been up to this last quarter that is either that you're focusing on going into the first quarter of 2023? Yeah, so I, I just bought some some land. And I'm really excited about this. The The guy who is operating my land business sent me a message and said, hey, I know when we set this up, you said, if there's any any opportunities for big deals um, that, that you could be a part of, let you know I've got one. Um, would you be interested in, in doing something like that? And I said, 
Yeah, of course. So there was a, a bunch of property that he had found in Oregon that was for sale. And I bought uh, in that business five five parcels of it. And just some of the details on that. You tell me if you think this is a good deal or not. I'm interested to hear. For those five parcels, I paid just over $24,000. And we're thinking that we can sell those five parcels for a total of $1,000 a month. Would you guys for do that again? Yeah. For how many months? 72 months. Yes. Four. You guys interested it's in something like that? 72,000. I mean, that seems like a good deal. That's a that's what Warren Buffett would call a 300% margin of safety. So I was excited about it. <laughs> I feel so pretty good about that. So I'm I got that. Bring, bring on the water repair. Right? Bring up the water repair. Like this, the that's the Dalai Lama, Dalai Lama uh, you know, gift there to Bill Murray, you know, and Caddyshack. All right. What, what's that, Siri? Ask Jamie a question about the market in 2023. Got it. Oh, <laughs> coming back to you. Let's All right. It. Let's do it. Let's do it. You want my opinion on the market in 2023? This is not real estate advice. Um, I am a licensed realtor, but that doesn't really affect this conversation. Here's what I think is happening. And I, I stay in contact with a lot of people in Birmingham. First of all, real estate is extremely local. So I can speak to Birmingham. I can't speak to anywhere else in the country. I know Birmingham. That's the market I know. And what we're currently seeing and what I think we'll continue to see, at least through the first half of the year, probably into Q3, this is my opinion and others that I know, is we're still seeing um, appreciation. It's just at a much lower rate than it was the last two years. We're still seeing housing, like houses sell at or close to list price. We're just not getting in the bidding wars and those overpaying and everything else. Interest rates are gonna, going to have an effect on that. And I think there's going to be a little bit of a, uh, an ebb and flow to the situation. But I think what we're seeing right now is the um, the excited or the upgrade buyer, the people that didn't need to sell or didn't need to move, you're always going to have the necessity movers and buyers and sellers, right? I think what was happening last year and a couple of years was people were trying to upgrade, right? People were trying to get the equity out of the house they have, roll it into a bigger, better, or nicer, something different um, at a really secure interest rate. And we ended up into this frenzy, like a feeding frenzy of uh, everybody's competing over everything to try and grab it while they can. So I think that's going to go away, but I still feel that the the real estate market is going to maintain, uh, going to maintain its strength at least through the first half, three quarters of this year, maybe even a whole year. Uh, I can't really talk much beyond that because it depends on what happens with everything else. Well, how, how do you see the first time home buyer, Jamie? Oh I mean, man, the, the pricing of those, I think, like the, that two hundred to 250 range, like seems to be still like, it's going to fly off the, you know, fly off the shelves, but with the interest rates going up, how does that affect them in your opinion? Yeah. I mean, it definitely affects them. I mean, Joey, we had this conversation. This is how I met you was you, you did my first mortgage, my friend. And, uh, uh, I remember we were building a house and I, we went from five point or four point something to 5.75 or whatever. And before my lock-in period and I came to you and I was like, Hey, we can't, we can't keep it down at the lower rate. And you're like, it's not how it works. <laughs> guess what? I still bought the house, you know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, I still was in the process of buying the house. I wanted to get out of my renting situation. 
I was in a phase of life where I was, you know, getting engaged, trying to start a family. We were moving in that direction and we made it, made it work. So I think to answer your question, if, if people are motivated to make that decision, I don't think it's going to change anything because there is opportunity, one, to not have to get into bidding wars. So the opportunity to find the house you want, I think is greater right now, um, potentially pay a little bit more in interest for it right now, and then just refinance it in a few years. If you're going to stay there for a long period of time, I mean, you can lower the interest rate at some point in time if it comes back down. Will it come back down? I don't know. I don't have the crystal ball, but um, I don't know if that's what you're asking me, but I do yeah. think that just the price inflation we've seen is definitely going to have an effect on um, on first-time home buyers. I mean, I felt it when I was buying my first home. I think everyone feels it as they're trying to buy their first home. The price, the median price is getting higher and higher and higher. This is a different conversation for a different time. I think that's by design, but that's why you're starting to see so many build to rent communities instead of build to sell communities pop up around the country, in my opinion. Do you put any stock? Like I, I read an article, I guess it was back in December that said Zillow, as they're tracking rents on Zillow, right? This isn't a foolproof deal. Not all obviously rental properties are are marketing on Zillow, but Zillow saw the largest one month decrease from October to November and rental rates than it had for over seven years. Do you think that that was, that is something that is happening out there? Do you think that's an anomaly? What, what, what's your take on that? Are you seeing that with the rental properties you have the ones I know you're in in constant conversation with other um, investors out there who have rental properties. Are they, are they, increasing rents right now? Are they staying the same? What are they seeing as they're hitting renewal periods with with renters? So I'll tell you what I did over the last year was I increased, was able to increase all of my properties by $100 to $150, which was as much as 10% of an increase for rent. Um, I think that's been happening for a little while, especially last year, we really saw rents increase. Um, I have not seen the decrease in Birmingham, but I I think it comes back to the supply and demand uh, conversation. You know, anytime there's an oversupply and a lack of demand, you're going to have a price decrease. And so there are um, areas of Birmingham that I'd like to invest in that I have slowed down uh, looking for properties in an area because I feel like they are getting oversaturated with rentals. If you just go and look on Zillow or Realtor or whatever, um, and how many for rent properties there are. So I like to put a property for rent and get it filled as soon as possible. Um, Cause if you don't, you know, that's, that's you're leaking cash flow. So that's a very vague answer to your question. I'm surprised that it's gone down. In fact, I, I would expect it to potentially continue to go up as less and less people are trying to move into a buyer's market potentially right now. Yeah. Well, I, the, the little article and I posted it for everybody who's listening live or watching live here in there, what I read through there, was that they they were saying people who were doubling up, like having more roommates instead of having single properties, mm. people moving back in with family, creating somewhat of a, a a shortage in the demand for those. I don't know if that'll hold true. It'd be interesting. So really quickly, as before we go back to Eric, what are you excited about personally in the real estate world? I know you said that you're going to probably stay a lot more active. Are you looking for more properties that you can do short-term rental on now for, for 2023 or what's your thoughts? Yeah. So funny, funny you asked that question. I, so 
when I started my short-term rental, my brother-in-law, this is, I'm going to keep it short. I promise. He travels a lot for work, single guy, lives by himself. He's like, you know what? Let's start throwing my property up on Airbnb. I'll rent it out during the weekends. He just got booked for the whole month of January. He's going to have to be a nomad for all of January, right? So he's coming to me and he's like, I want to do another one of these things. So we're actually looking at potentially combining funds and moving into uh, an asset that typically has a little more cash flow. So maybe a, a cabin or a beach condo or something like that, kind of one of the vacation markets. I need to do a little more research on it to really figure out where we're going to go. But absolutely, I'm looking for short-term rentals. Um, and and then I'm, I'm probably going to keep looking at small multifamily where I can partner with other people and kind of have that scalability of... Uh, of units. Um, I don't think I'll ever stop doing single family, but that's what I'm looking at right now. Real excited for, uh, if anybody wants an industrial building in Pelham, hit me up, got one for sale. So, <laughs> nice. uh, uh, Stallion, if you need a, a single family home, uh, at the, you know, at a, at a vacation spot, Jamie Stallion has always got one ready on text to shoot you as he was shooting me one just this morning. <laughs> no, what yeah? do you think about, what do you think about this property, Russ? Yeah. All right. Hey. Talk to me. I'm all about it. <laughs> c- c- coming, coming back to you, Eric. Let's yeah. let's talk a little bit about some of the the projects that you're working on, things that you're excited about as we move into the first quarter of 2023. Yeah, I, I'll I'll dial back on the excitement, and I'm going to give you the good, the bad, and the hopeful. So, uh, ending up the quarter, actually, the very last few days of December. I did something that I thought was really cool. Now I don't give tax advice, but for me, there was an opportunity for me to make a um, an investment into a syndication that offers depreciation, bonus depreciation. My mother um, happened to have cash just sitting in a savings account, earning absolutely nothing on the sidelines. So I worked out a deal with her where I borrowed a significant amount of money from her, paid her a good interest rate, significantly more than she was earning, use those dollars to buy into that tax advantaged investment. And now um, she and I both will share the cash flow over the next seven years. And it's, and it's zero dollars of mine, but I got the tax benefit. Just a huge, huge win, a situation where I love the situation where everybody in the equation wins except uh, the IRS. So those are my favorite kind of situations. <laughs> uh, the bad I had um, at the very, very end of last year, I had a syndication investment that I was into heavily that was generating about $4,000 a month in profit, not just cash flow, but profit. And um, somebody turned off the spigot on that deal. And so I'm, I'm still in quite a bit of pain over that. And that's in process. Uh, hopefully, you know, that's going to come out good. Uh, you know, I know knowing Russ or Joey, the next question will be, what have you learned from that? Probably I was overweighted in that area. And uh, for me, because I like to be diversified in my passive income. And so that maybe is the only thing I've learned because I still actually trust the operator. I think they've done a really good job at trying to work through this. So hopefully that'll turn out to be a good thing. And then lastly, the hopeful, um, I'll just provide hope that this group can provide some accountability like Joey and Russ, you guys have sort of led the way on this. I am um, have uh, signed up for Voltage, Neil Twa, who'll be speaking at our event to create an Amazon business. And so 
my partner and I, uh, we're going to be doing that and we're going to start that right here in just a few days. I'm very excited about That's awesome. where that can go. Yeah. Now, um, if you don't mind me asking what sort of investment did were you able to make at the end of the year that was, had, had bonus appreciation? That was the, uh, ATMs that the ATMs. I think you guys have done, or I know you've done. Gotcha. It's my third time to do one of those. So, yeah. And, and just maybe just a quick overview, but how do you do due diligence on deals like that? Yeah, really for me, I, I, I read through the, the deck that's sent, which can always say anything. So my best due diligence is just talking to people who have worked with this operator before. If I can get a long history of success, that is really the best measuring stick that I have as long as the investment first meets my buy box. So my buy box for this investment was I wanted tax benefit and immediate cash flow. Then, then we go to, um, you know, what's been the long history of this investment with people I know. And for me, I, I don't know how to do much deeper due diligence than that, but that's how I do it. I love it. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. All right. So Ern, I know you said you're excited about this land deal that's just transpired and starting off. Is there anything else that you would want to add that you're looking forward to in 2023 um, that's going to get you closer to your goal? Well, I think more land. Let's come up with some more money to do some more of that. Uh, but the one thing that I have written down on my on my yellow pad is dwelling unit rentals. Trusty yellow I, pad. Yes. I have not... I have not done that for no good reason. I know, Eric. I know. I know. So I need to do that. I, I think there is a big portion that I will be writing a check to the IRS this year that I will not write to the IRS next year because of that, just doing that one thing. I just got to do it. I love it. Well, and if you don't know what uh, Ernie is talking about, that means that you're not a part of our inner circle because the inner circle is where these ideas live, right? It's our mastermind that we join together and we share ideas that help people with their right next thing to get to passive income equaling greater than their monthly expenses. If you want to join us, go to wealthwithoutwallstreet.com forward slash free call, jump on a call with one of these coaches. They'll walk you through your right next thing and be able to give you all the details at that point. Um, we, we've got a, we've got a break though, Russ, we've got the inner circle waiting on us right now to jump into for office hours where we can answer any questions for them. And we love the feedback from the podcast. So without further ado, gentlemen, um, I'm going to ask you one really quickly, right as we go around your, your last thoughts. Right, your final thoughts. So Ernie, give us your final thought. Eric, you'll go next. Jamie, and then we'll round up with Russell. Well, I appreciate these quarterly updates because it I think reflection is a is a lost art. And uh, it's it's made me just pull out a couple things that I I probably haven't processed. So as someone participating in this podcast today, I'm thankful to have to think back to what's going on. So if you're listening to the, to this, the, the journey day by day can seem very mundane, right? But I think there's so much that we're learning 
that if we just back and look, go back and look, we might be able to pull out a couple more nuggets. Awesome. Eric. I think that maybe all of our goal and most people that you meet is if I could do a little bit better today than I did yesterday, you know, in every area that's um, that would be success for me. And I think, you know, iron sharpening iron in the group like this and every conversation I have with um, our clients, every interaction I have with you guys, all of that just adds to um, a new way of thinking for me and growth for me. And so I'm very appreciative of this opportunity. And if you're not like much like Ernie said, if you're not availing yourself of new ways of learning and thinking and interacting with folks, you've, you've really got to do that to, to go from where you are. If nothing changes, nothing changes. So make, take a different approach and um, let's move forward and let's knock this thing out. Let's get our time freedom back. I was on a call with somebody today and, and she was, she was in tears and she was 52 years old and she said, I'd been corporatized. Mm. I mean, and the way she said that I felt it all the way down to my soul. And she said, I lost myself being corporatized and I I don't want to live like that anymore. And I think everybody on this call has come to that realization as well. So let's, let's link arms and do this together because we can do it. Awesome. Jamie. Two quick thoughts. First to tie into Eric, consistent consistency over perfection. You know, I think he mentioned in there, take action, take small steps at a time and forever be learning. So the piece of the story about the short-term rental, I didn't tell you is I paid to get educated on short-term rentals because it was a area that I wanted to, um, to learn about. I wanted to know more about how to operate a short-term rental properly. And then luck is when opportunity meets preparation. So I had the education from the short-term rental, saw that the house wasn't going to sell as a flip, was able to pivot, and I knew what to do. I love it. So I I don't have anything to add today, Russ, because you and I share our progress each month, but I wanted to give you a chance to, to close us out. Thank, thank you. I appreciate that. Today I'm sitting at the gym and there's an older guy, looks to be in his mid to late 70s, younger guy. I don't know if he was early 20s, looked to be. And I guess the, the older guy knew him and asked him how school was going. Guy was saying, you know, he's finishing up his MBA and he was kind of making jokes, man, you go, you make a career out of that. Meaning like the kid was, I guess, constantly in school. <laughs> And he's like, ah, you know, I don't know, you know, and it started going on. And, and the older guy said, well, you know, here's the thing is that do whatever you love and keep doing it till you quit loving it. He said, I've been, I worked for a company for 40 years and people ask me all the time, what do you miss the most? And I tell them nothing, <laughs> I miss nothing about it. And I'm just observing that thinking, man, with 40 years of wisdom of in plus, right? What could this guy deliver to this this kid that he obviously has some rapport with? And I don't know either one of them, so I don't want to jump in there. But I'm thinking, man, he obviously didn't have a whole lot because he worked for 40 years and never figured out a way to create the passive income. If he did, he did. to me, that would have been the thing he would have talked about. He would have shared that. And I just like the fact that these coaches, you guys are leading from the front. You're, you're not only 
talking the talk, but you're walking it. And as you listen to these coaches and you're looking for financial freedom, find a way to get out of that journey so that when someone asks you what you're up to or, or, or looking to you for, for help, for mentorship, maybe not for advice, but maybe for just a word of encouragement, you could share something like that you have done, that you've learned that could help accelerate them. And that's what I would call you to share this episode with someone that you know, that you you think would benefit from it, because this is the thing that we want to do in 2023 is help as many people as we possibly can break free of the Wall Street mindset and start living a life that they would love to do if they were not tied to the thing that they dislike the most. That's my final thought. Have an amazing day. This has been the Wealth Without Wall Street podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to the show to break free of the Wall Street mindset and begin building wealth on your own terms in places you understand so that your wealth will never run dry. See you next episode.